Welcome to Career Junkie Podcast. Join me, your host, Christy, as we take an inside look at some of the most popular and maybe not so popular careers around the world. Whether you are just entering the workforce or maybe just looking for a change, Career Junkie has you covered. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Career Junkie Podcast. As always, so glad you are here and so excited. I know I say that all the time, but I really am, guys. I really am excited to bring the message to you. And I know that you love it, too, because you've been reaching out and sending me messages, and I appreciate that. But on today's episode, I am joined by wrestling superstar, you guys, wrestling superstar turned motivational speaker, Mark Marrow. So welcome, Mark. Christy, my new PR agent. I love that introduction. I know. Everybody's like, you make me feel so special. I'm like, you are special. (laughs) Thank you for joining me today and all of our listeners. Well, I have been excited about uh, being a guest on your podcast. I think it's going to be really informative. It's going to be inspirational. And we're really going to hopefully change some lives today. I hope so. You're going to inspire me. Like, I'm looking forward to just listening to you because I'm, I'm going to take some pointers from you. So I'm, I'm watching you closely through, through our Zoom. <laughs> well, fantastic. Let's, you know, iron sharpens iron. We are going to just inspire each other also. <laughs> I love it. So on the podcast, we always go way, way back to the beginning. And I I pretty much say there's a lot of people who kind of know the backstory to you, but I always like to go just in case there's not, because we have a a wide array of audience. Um, Did you always aspire to have a career in sports or was there ever something else that you wanted to do in life? You know, it's, it's funny you ask that because when I was 10 years old, I wrote and I had this little book, this kind of a diary journal type book. I still have it today, you know, and I bring it to my presentations to show people what I wrote as a 10 year old boy. And I wrote that I was going to be a professional athlete. I wrote, I was going to win rookie of the year because I loved hockey back then. And my favorite player, Jill Perot won rookie of the year. So I wrote that in there that I was going to win rookie of the year. Um, I had all these dreams and goals. Most of them were materialistic. Like, I'm going to get a fancy black Cadillac. I mean, get a big hey, house. you're a I'm, kid. <laughs> I know, you know, a boat. I got all these things I would write down that would eventually become a reality in my life. Um, but I also, you know, here's the funny thing was, I also wrote things down. Like, when I was 10 years old, I wrote that I would find the cure for, for uh, mentally ill children. I found, I, I wrote down that I was going to help crippled children. And, you know, here's what I tell people today. Failure is not aiming high and missing. Failure is aiming too low in life and hitting. And I said, dream big, aim high, go for the gusto, man. You know, like, like I said, most things I wrote down were materialistic and they did become a reality in my life. But the heart I had as a little boy was always wanting to help someone. And I found that the more you give in life, the more you get back there's no greater joy than helping another person. That's why I was excited about being a guest on your podcast because I know we can help some people that are out there that may be struggling, especially during this pandemic and this isolation and depression and, and, and even thoughts of some people have thoughts of not wanting to be here. It's been so bad. Right. Yeah. And I love the fact that you talked about your 10 year old self, because one of the things we, I say self-assess, right? Know yourself, know your strengths, know your likes, what you, what you do and don't. And as a kid, right? We always, we don't have any filter. We just, you know, I want to own a horse. I want to own a Lamborghini. I want to, I want to help people, you know, 
there's no filter as a kid. You, you truly do write down what you want to do. So it's great to go back and revisit that. I love that you still have access to this and you can look back and kind of come full circle at what you're doing because that was, that was unfiltered little Mark, right? Like you just wrote it, it down because it interests you. And I love it that you've been able to come back to that. And we're going to totally touch on that because that is a massive part of your story. But how did you get into wrestling? How did that come about? Well, here's the amazing thing about wrestling was um, I, I was a, a all-star football player. I played junior hockey. Um, I was, I was, uh, I won the New York state golden gloves. I was a member of the U S boxing team. Wow. Uh, I was very successful in sports. And then I went off the deep end for many years, 10 years of my life were involved with drugs and just living an immoral life. And it was, I was 30 years old. I had a bunch of friends over my apartment. We'd hang out on Saturdays and Sundays and drink beer and watch TV. And one of my buddies, he had the remote control. He was flipping through TV and he landed on um, Saturday night WCW wrestling. And I go, whoa, whoa, stop it there. Let's, let's watch this. And we were watching wrestling. And I just said to all my friends that were sitting there, I go, and they're still friends to this day. That's what's so funny. We talk about this. I go, hey, guys, I can do that. And they busted out laughing. They go, Mark, look at the size of those guys. I think the Road Warriors were on or something like that. They go, they will pick you over their head and throw you right out of that ring. I said, no, man, I'm telling you, I can do that. My other buddy goes, Mark, you're 30 years old. What are you going to do, start a pro career now? So I found out where there was a wrestling school. I was living in Venice, Florida, and there was a wrestling school in Tampa. It's about 60 miles apart. I started driving there after work on weekends. It was Malenko's wrestling school. Uh, Boris Malenko, whose sons Dean and Joe uh, were amazing wrestlers. And anyway, so Boris Malenko taught me how to wrestle. And then I got, I went up to WCW as one of the guys that gets beat up on TV for $150. I drive nine hours there. And I remember Dusty Rhodes pulled me out after one of the matches. And he said to me, he said, hey, kid, anybody ever tell you you look like Little Richard? And I said, Little Richard? Now, I, 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 I thought he was talking about a wrestler named Little Richard. I go, right. I never heard of him. He goes, you never heard of Little Richard? And I said, no. I, I go, oh, the singer. Yes, I heard. He goes, man, you look just like him. I said, really? And next thing you know, Dusty Rhodes gives me this gimmick, this character, Johnny B. Bad. And so I signed my first contract with WCW. And the next year, the, the income doubles and it doubles again. And it was just a, it, man, it was like a, a rocket ship, you know, going from, from building, in, digging in-ground swimming pools to becoming a, a superstar in professional wrestling. It was a, it was a dream come true. And I look at all the things I wrote down as a 10-year-old boy, I go back to that little book. I bought that Cadillac. I bought that big house. I bought the boat. You know, I became very wealthy. And it, and it just like everything I wrote down as a kid became a reality in my life. That's, oh my gosh. I love the story. I didn't even know that about how your original character came to be. So that's pretty interesting. But take us back to, all right, so I imagine the alcohol came out and, you know, when we have alcohol, we tend to be brave and, you you know, your buddy's like, sure, man, you're going to become a wrestler, right? What was the attitude like when you went to that wrestling school as a 30-year-old? Because we have a lot of listeners who want to make changes later in life and are just scared to do so. So here you are, 30 years old, showing up, no experience in this. Of course, you had your athletic history. What was going through your mind? Was it, did you just have to kind of fake it till you make it? 
Well, you know, like I said before, I always, I was always a really good athlete growing up. I was the, you know, the captain of the team or the all-star, whatever it was that, you know, in, in that particular sport, I was always very successful, the leading score, the, you know, the, whatever the, you know, winning the New York State Golden Gloves year after year. And I just felt I had the confidence to, to try it because, you know, so many times as adults, we become complacent in life. One day becomes the next. And we settle for the status quo and we say, man, I wish I would have. I wish I, I could have. Or we say things like, those were the days. Christy, I'm here to tell you, these are the days. These are the days we learn from past mistakes. We grow in grace and knowledge. And we can accomplish anything we set our minds to. But you've got to believe it in your heart. You know, it's like your perception is your reality. What you perceive is what you will believe. And, and, and so when I was 30 years old, now I'm going to wrestling school, I remember getting the ring. And, they, and one of the things they do is they, they have you kind of cross your arms and just fall backwards and learn how to fall properly on your back. And I remember falling backwards and, and I, it knocked the wind out of me. I sound like a seal from SeaWorld. I was like, <laughs> I couldn't even breathe. I'm thinking, how could these guys do this every day, you know? But of course, I learned how to fall properly and I became, you know, better and better at it. Uh, but still, when I, when I was signed with WCW, I was so green. I mean, I didn't, as Arn Anderson would say, he didn't know a, 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 wrist, a wrist lock from a wrist watch. <laughs> so, um, it, but, and then they pumped me with these, these fantastic wrestlers like, um, you know, back then, Ricky Morton, um, Terry Taylor, Arn Anderson. You know, I, I got to wrestle with guys that would take me on the road and teach me. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, like, I remember one of my first matches was against Sting. Now, here's a superstar that everybody loves. And here I am wrestling him, and I don't even know what the heck I'm doing out there, you know. But eventually, uh, you know, I started practicing quite a bit, going down to the power plant with uh, Diamond Dallas Page and becoming better and better and better. And uh, my first year, you know, winning Pro Wrestling Illustrated Rookie of the Year, the most improved. And, and it was just, a, it was just a, great, uh, a great journey. Let's talk more on that, because you mentioned the physical training, which we all know is a huge aspect of wrestling. Um, what about kind of the business side? Did you have anything to prepare you for that? Because I think a lot of people don't realize um, what all is needed on that business side to succeed in any kind of sports. What did you have that prepared you for that? Christy, this is going to be really blatantly honest, okay? That's where I really screwed up. When you're just, when you're just have all this money coming in, you know, and more money than you've ever had in your life and becoming, remember, I wrote down as a kid, I want to be a millionaire someday. And I remember that, um, you know, with our bank account, the next check that would come in, I would become a millionaire. I remember my whole life thinking, I cannot wait to be a millionaire. You know, it's going to be amazing being a millionaire. And when that check came in, I remember saying to my ex-wife at the time, I said, can you believe it? We are millionaires. We're going to the bank to deposit this. We are a millionaire. <laughs> we go to the bank, we deposit, we kind of jumped around and all of a sudden, I looked at her and I said, so where do you want to go to dinner? It was like my whole life thinking it was going to be this amazing, special moment. And it was just another day. And then you realize that, you know, money doesn't necessarily bring happiness. It brings good vacations. Right. <laughs> and cars. Yes. <laughs> and, and all those things become, you know, you, you know, you get another one, a bigger house, a, a better boat, a better this or better that. And, and then it becomes just old news. And I really 
made some horrible mistakes with money. You lost millions of dollars, uh, with, whether it's gambling, um, eventually getting into drugs and just living a, a, a horrible life, you know? Mm-hmm. But you know what? You can't have a comeback without a setback. And I know that a lot of people that are listening to this have made some horrible mistakes too. We all have. We've all, you know, have been places and done things that we look back and we go, what was I thinking? What was I doing? And, but it's about the comeback. It's about the journey in life, you know, and, and realizing that I had to learn from these mistakes. Otherwise, they become, you know, they could become learning experience or, or they just could become another mistake unless you learn how to properly handle your money or whether you're working with a financial consultant or someone that can guide you because there's so many pitfalls when you have a lot of money and investments and things that you think are going to make a lot of money. And you're always looking for that quick, quick hit, whether it's the stock market or whatever. And I got caught in the, the, the fall of the stock market. I got, got caught in the housing crisis. So those are huge, huge things that happened in my life that uh, decimated me financially, but it was always about the comeback. You know, mm-hmm. how, can I, how can I learn from this and make something better? And, um, and then it was reinventing myself, you know? Um, you know, I got to tell you, Chrissy, I, I, I just turned 60 years old. I mean, 60 years of my life have gone by. And people say to me, well, do you ever think about maybe retiring? Or when, what day are you going to retire? When are you going to How old are you going to be when you retire? I said, retire? Man, I'm not going to retire. I'm going to refire. <laughs> I, I love that. Learn and grow. And, you know, you can never stop learning. And that's the beauty about this life that we have. And, and you know, happiness is a choice. I mean, bad things happen to all of us. But happiness is really a choice, you know. But even better than being happy is being content in life. Whether good things happen or bad things happen, you always be thankful and have blessings in your life that you're just grateful for. Whether it's a, 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 a spouse or family or friends or, or business or something you love doing. You know, pursuing passion in life is the gift. You know, there's mine is like I love helping people. Um, your husband, Stevie, loves helping people. I mean, it's, it's a gift that we have that we enjoy seeing results in other people. And that's why I love doing podcasts like this. And I love that you're on this podcast. So there, I'm just going to say that. <laughs> but I want to I wanna touch, because I want to go back to your lows, because I know the second half of this story begins where those lows kind of pick up. But I love the fact that you mentioned, because so many people feel like I have to have an education. I have to have a college degree or nobody's going to, you know, let me into this field that I want to be in. And I I love that you said that's not the case. You basically were taught your education from life. And I think people underestimate that so much that you can learn just as much from your highs and lows as you can from sitting in a classroom. You know, that's so, you know, there's so, there's so much involved in having some, some street smarts or some experience in life. There's no, there's no greater teacher than experience in life, you know, and I was never a great student. I mean, I enjoyed my senior year in high school so much, I, I took it twice. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, I've learned so much. And, I'm, I, you know, I'm around a lot of smart people. But the one thing about being around smart people, you can learn from a lot of smart people, but it's about work ethic. Not many people, a lot of people are smarter than me, but they cannot work me. And, and, and that's the gift I've had. I mean, we've done, I've, I've averaged around 250 events a year. This is my 14th year presenting. I mean, we never had it stop up, up until this pandemic hit. Like everybody else's business has pretty much come to a, a standstill or slow down or whatever. But before that, I was going nonstop. I mean, we, we were in, went to Russia and spoke at schools in Russia, Guatemala, 
all over the United States, almost every state we've been to now. And it's just been just incredible. Like I keep going back to that word journey because life is a journey. It's not a destination. People go, someday I'm going to be happy. And they make it right. like a destination. And they say, someday I'm going to be rich. You know, riches is defined in so many different ways, you know? Okay, my health, that is richness. I mean, when you really think about this, anyone out there that's listening that, that is, is healthy, and, and all of a sudden, you know someone that has COVID. They're on a, a respirator or ventilator. And they think about, they don't even know if, they're gonna, they're, they don't even know if tomorrow's going to come for them. And you think about these blessings in life that we often take for granted. See, we, we take for granted the very things in life we should appreciate. I have learned so, so much about appreciation, about gratitude. And it makes, me a, it makes me a better person. It makes me happier because I can have a bad day, but I go, man, I'm healthy today. I'm going to the gym. I'm doing something that I enjoy doing. I'm going to help someone online or, or return a message that someone's going through something and, and be a light in their darkness, even though I could be going through my own darkness. Right. And I just, that's a hundred percent your outlook, you know, and one of my favorite, I wanted to add to it. One of my favorite sayings that I hear people say all the time, and it makes me cringe when I retire. Right? When I retire, I'm going to do all these things. And that just goes right into what you said. Like, don't wait. Start living your life. Start enjoying your health, your, your highs, your lows. We always call it, we don't call them failures on this podcast. We call them lessons. So take your lessons and, and build up. And you don't have to wait for tomorrow. So I love that you said that. You know, start now. Start today. Get out there. <laughs> Man, it is, it is so important. You know, when when you have goals and dreams in life or passion for something that you want to do, and there's a lot of people out there, there's, here's the problem too, is there's so many negative people. And, and sometimes they're friends and even family members who tell you why you can't do something. You're not qualified for that. You're not smart enough. You're not strong enough for that. You're not big enough. And let me tell you, Chrissy, the reason why they tell you you can't do it is because they can't do it. So they, they love to bring people down and make you feel like, yeah, they're right. I, I can never do that. And they steal away your dreams are dream stealers. Don't, don't be a dream stealer. If you're listening, don't be a dream stealer, people. Come on, I, I'm going to start. I'm going to steal that from you, Mark. Dream stealers. <laughs> I'm going to steal the dream stealer line. <laughs> Man, isn't it, you know, isn't it great, Christy, when you could be a positive influence on someone? And, you know, it's Absolutely. Zig Ziglar, famous inspirational speaker, said, it's better to try and fail than fail to try. You know, who wants to look back on their life and said, and I wish I would at least try that, you know, at least see what happened, you know, but at least if you try it, you'll, you'll, you'll see, maybe you'll be really successful. Maybe it won't work. And, and you know, you're going to pass failure on your way to success on that road to success. You're going to pass failure. If you don't, there's something really wrong. And, and, and what they're doing with, with, with kids today where everybody gets a trophy and everybody doesn't want to have their feelings hurt and stuff. You learn the best lessons in life when you fail. Mm hmm I 100% agree. We talked about this. We had an episode about our businesses where I had a brick and mortar that failed and I wouldn't trade it for the world, honestly. That lesson that it taught me and how to move forward from that is something that I really needed in my life. And I think it goes for anybody. That's why we call them lessons, not failures. Um, but I want to talk, okay, talk about something that you, you wanted to do and you went for it and you did it. Your wrestling career, right? right. Top of the world championships from both WWE, WCW. You mentioned the highs and lows that come with that. What part of your journey with that made you stop and reflect and realize that you wanted to kind of change directions and start to focus on other people? You know, 
like I said, I think earlier is that there's, there's no greater joy than helping another person. And I really found that, I guess, in my journey that the happiest I ever been was, was being an inspiration to somebody else and, and being an influence or, or a positive influence to help them through whether it's difficulty or, or inspire them to become um, whatever, whatever gift that they have, you know, because we all, we all have gifts. Every one of us has something about us that's something special, you know? And it's like, when you can define what that gift is, man, there's nothing that can stop you. You, you, you just got to go for it. And I, and I love being that person that can ins inspire others. I mean, the, the craziest thing is I've been speaking for, like I said, 14 years and I got students that have seen me. I mean, They've seen me back when they're in high school 10 years ago. Now they have their own business or they have kids <laughs> or, or, or they're professional athletes. And they said, man, that they always say the day you came to my school, man, you inspired me to pursue my dream. And, and now I own my own business or, or I'm a professional athlete or whatever it would be. And it's just such a great feeling. I mean, just last night I went to dinner with some friends at, at Longhorn Steakhouse and uh, the, uh, the waiter came over. He goes, man, you came to my school. And I got to tell you, I never forgot that. You really inspired me. And just to hear him say that made me realize I really am doing what I believe I was called to do in life. I mean, wrestling was kind of a, um, a stopping point or stepping stone for me for what I really enjoy doing. I mean, gosh, Chrissy, I get to go out there and inspire people and, and be in front of these large audiences. I mean, they bust kids into arenas sometimes with 10,000 kids, and I go out there. And here's the blessing is, you know, wrestling was a little different because I still got to uh, be in front of a lot of people. But mm -hmm. with speaking, nobody's hitting me over the head of the chair anymore. <laughs> You're not having a dunk? <laughs> not yet. <laughs> So what was it about school-aged children that just drew you to that type of audience? I was a, I was a troubled kid, and I, you know, I made a lot of mistakes. My parents were divorced when I was eight years old, and I remember the trauma that we went through. We lived in one of the worst neighborhoods um, on the west side of Buffalo, New York, and we were you know, getting beat up at school a lot, and it was, uh, it was back in the 69 was the race riots were going on and it was so scary. There was gangs all over the streets and I, we couldn't even leave the house at times, you know, and I remember just being bullied at school because we, we were so poor that my mom bought a lot of our clothes like at garage sales. And I remember the feeling of always wearing like, you know, secondhand clothes or clothes that didn't fit properly. And, and back then the kids had the cool Converse All-Stars or something, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> And it was just a really tough time for me. And I was, I was picked on a lot and bullied. And I remember the feeling of loneliness that you go through when you're bullied and you feel like you just wish you could be like with, with the guys, you know, you could fit in with that crowd or that clique or whatever, but never wanted to be like them, you know, and, and thinking. So now fast forward to when I'm a presenter, man, I look these kids in the eye. I know exactly what they feel, what they went through. You know, the loss of my, my family members, you know, when a kid talks to me about losing a parent to cancer or losing a, an older brother or sister to drug overdose or something that happened, you know, or a terrible thing at school where a student took their life. I have had those so many experiences in my own life. My little brother and sister both died at 21. My mom died at 58. My dad died while I was holding in my arms. And of course, we lost so many friends in the wrestling industry, you know. And, and some of them from bad choices, you know? So I really share where my good choices take me and I'm really honest about where those bad choices took, take, took me. And that's why I think I can really relate to these students and I really have this connection with them because 
Man, some of my presentations, there's not a dry eye in that school. It's really emotional. I believe it. I, I imagine over that you said you've been doing this for 14 years. I imagine, I'm trying to think back when I was in high school and middle school. And I think, honestly, it's, it's a rough time for everybody. But now, when you add in social media and the, the feeling of I'm never good enough because of filters and different things that you see on that, how has that played in to your, and have you seen a change in the same age range from maybe 14 years back to now? You know, the saddest part is, is we're seeing it younger and younger and younger of these kids that are falling into depression and suicidal thoughts and the isolation and loneliness that some of these kids that feel because they, you know, the, the social media, it, it, there's so much fakeness in it that, that people want to try to measure up to something that's just an illusion, you know, mm -hmm. and they don't feel worthy or they try to outdo each other. And a lot of times the people that get the likes or the people that are, are popular are people that whether they mock other people or they make fun of people or they're really rude or uh, sexual connotation or things that you, you shake your head at and think that's, that's such a temporary fulfillment of what they're getting, you know, until, mm -hmm. until you realize the joy you can have of helping somebody. That's a joy, man, that you can't, that you just experience that you just feel so good about making a difference in someone's life. So, I really get these kids to learn how to love themselves, to value themselves. And I sit there and talk with them. And I got to tell you, it's, it's funny to see the change in a kid when they realize that somebody cares, you know, when someone really takes the time to sit down with them or write them back if they write you on social media. And, and of course, I can't write back every single kid. We get hundreds of them every day. But we try to scan through them. And we try to find the kids that are really man, at, the, at their wit's end, you know, at, at a place in their life where you're just wondering, are they really going to make it another day? And those are the kids we, we really have been trying to, to impact and make a difference in their life. And then um, you, you, we deal with a lot of parents that have lost their kids to suicide or drug overdose. And that's a conversation you never forget. It, mm -hmm. It's one of the most heart-wrenching things. And, you, and, and because I do this, you, you have to take on a lot of pain. You take on a lot of hurt. You take on a lot of sadness. And, uh, but the, the joy you get of maybe saving a kid's life outweighs any of that negativity or not, I shouldn't say negativity, but just mm -hmm. part of the business that part of the, the part of the um, speaking in industry that I'm in. And um, I just found that, uh, like I said, I feel it's my calling and I'm, I'm going to continue to do it as long as I can. Love it. Take us through, because I know you just mentioned you receive a lot of messages and a lot of times they're not always positive. It's a lot of grief from both students and parents. And I'm sure you also speak to many adults who, who reach out to you. As a person who helps these people, who provides this inspiration, you also have to take care of yourself. How do you do that? How do you find time for you to where maybe you can go clear your head keep your composure, everything together, so you can be there for these people who need you? Well, first of all, you, you always have a, a small circle of friends that you can confide in or talk to uh, when you're going through a hard time. And sometimes as, you know, as a guy, you feel like, man, I don't want to tell my buddy that, you know? Or, and, and I found that, you know, there's no better freedom than honesty, you know? Because when you hold things inside, it's like a volcano. I don't care what age you are. When you hold things inside, sooner or later, that volcano erupts. And most of it's negativity, whether it's depression, anxiety, whether it's anger, bitterness, resentment. And I just found that when you're able to open up and talk to someone about what you're feeling, because I, I don't have a lot of people that I can really go to and understand the, 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 
trauma we take on dealing with someone that wants to end their life and 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 almost to a point sometimes where you feel like you're begging them to please please just listen to my voice know that i care about you you know and and then you know we we see kids that years later will write to you and said you know that time you wrote to me really saved my life and we, we get letters like that all the time so you know whatever i guess pain or or hard times i go through with it it's it's so worth it it's so worth it I would imagine. Yeah. Just knowing that you make that impact on somebody, like you said that when you were in the restaurant, having someone come up to you and say, I remember you, I remember relating to your message when I was in, whether it be seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, you know, whatever age he was remembering that message and remembering you and then coming back later and seeing you and just wanting to share that with you. I mean, to me, that's, that's it right there. You know, that is, that is why you would do something like that. Because you, you touch that person and one way or another, you touch that person enough for them to even want to bring it up to you. Right. So I imagine that that is one of the highs. That would be one of my highs is just having that remembrance and touching somebody like that to where they want to come back to you so many years later and, and just tell you about it. You know, what I was wanting to share with your listeners was that life, it's about relationships and we often take them for, for granted sometimes. And it, it's, it can make such a difference in somebody's life by simply leaving a note, you know, uh, making a phone call, sending a text, uh, simple things that just let people know you love them, you care about them, you're thinking about them. It could change someone's whole day. And I found that, that, that even myself, when I had someone writes to me or, or sends me uh, some emojis there, our hearts and, and, and <laughs> prayer, and whatever it is, you know, I always could get a smile out of that, that they, they thought enough of me or, or they took the time out of their day to send me something like that. Because life passes quickly, man. And, you know, I often say, in, invest in who's going to cry at your funeral. Because I tell you something, we, we tend to just take relationships for granted sometimes. And at the end of the day, there's just people that you don't know what they're going through. And maybe it's time to reach out to them, make a phone call, you know? People have seen that video about my mom, you know? I was not the best son in the world, uh, searching. I, I traveled the world in search of what I thought I wanted, only to come home and find it, but it was too late. Don't let it be too late for you. You know, reach out, take your wife out to dinner, spend time with each other, you know? Tell each other you love each other, man. Don't, don't make the same mistakes I made. That's important to know because especially as our lives get busier and busier, so many of us, myself included, I'm guilty of it. I assume, I assume my husband knows that I love him, right? I assume that my mom knows I love him. I don't take that time because I know that they know that, but having that one second out of my day to send the text that says, you know what? I love you. I appreciate you. I'm thankful for you. We got to stop and do that more. You're right. You're 100% right because we really do take it for granted in all walks of life. And you're over here, you're blinking at me. What? <laughs> no, nothing. No, oh. I just, uh, I, Did Mark you doesn't. Tell me you love no, me. No, I, I don't. We okay. say it as much as possible. We do, we do understand how, how life is precious and life is, it can just be put out in a second. We just saw a kid from this old house, an apprentice that just went to sleep and never woke up. He was 19, 19 years old. Yeah. That's crazy. So I never lost a, but I'm going to embarrass Mark for a second because he doesn't realize the multiple times that Mark, even before he became a motivational speaker, inspired me in ways I never expressed up until this point. We 
kind of chatted back and forth on Prodigy, of all things, way back in the day, in the beginning of the internet. And then Mark was very kind to always answer me as a new and aspiring wrestler, my first two, three, four years in the business. And then I looked at Mark's matches whenever I was down and saw his improvement throughout the years. I would watch older matches and I saw Mark when he started and how he just worked hard to improve. And even as, as late as like 2003, 2004, I would go back and watch Mark's matches to show how he can improve, get in better shape and use better ring psychology. And it was a real good foundation for me to constantly improve in my career. I never told him that, but I, I appreciate you, Mark. Thank you very much, man. I do appreciate that. You know, you, you and I have always connected, man. I mean, you know, we've, gosh, I, I could never think of an, anything that I've ever experienced with you has always been so positive and I really appreciate that. And, and, uh, you know, the cool thing is, is that, uh, I'm, I'm soon going to be coming to your area. So we'll be hanging out a lot more and, uh, who knows, but we talked, we talked about this for a long time. Well, you said taking over the world. So let's not, let's not half ass it. There you go. I'm, I'm going to be a fan. I can talk about it ad nauseum, but there's so many things about Mark and, and for people to think he's been speaking for 14 straight years that it's become almost robotic or it's become routine or anything like that. I witnessed firsthand, and this was a few short years ago, maybe four years ago, four and a half years ago, Mark came back from speaking and literally, I don't want to put you on the spot or embarrass you, but he came back from this high energy presentation. I was crying. Everybody was crying in the building, came back, slumped up against the wall and I almost thought that I would need to catch him because he gave each and every ounce of his being during that presentation and this was 11 10 11 years into the touring and once again that's something that I watched and I said this guy is given everything I go I need to give more to everything I do uh, thank you very much, Stevie. I appreciate that. You know, I, I speak from my heart. You know, I mean, obviously, I have my story that I share with people, but I don't really use notes or anything like that. I just share a one-hour presentation, and it is the roller coaster of life. It's just like talking to you right now, Chrissy. Where, you know, it's it's not like we have all these questions ready ready to go. It's just like you have this conversation with someone that has similar interests as you do. But our main goal is that there's going to be a listener out there that's going through a hard time or, or on the fence about starting their business or going after a dream or something. And all of a sudden they hear this, they go, man, I'm going for it. <laughs> and that guy can do it at, at 30 years old and reinvent his life and then reinvent his life again after wrestling at 40 and then again at 50. And, and who knows what, what's, what's next down the road. I'm, I'm obviously going to always looking to, to reinvent or, or try something new. Refire. Refire. <laughs> there is no retire. It's refire. I want to touch briefly on your message because you just, you know, obviously both of you have just said you give it your all. You kind of have this, you know, you're, you're, I, I even hate to call it a speech, right? You have this gift that you present to people about your life and your life experiences. Tell me just a little bit of the behind, a, behind the scenes with that. Uh, if someone's listening and they kind of want to follow your footsteps, what, go, what is your thought process when you're putting together something? Obviously, do you take into consideration the age of your audience, maybe the area? How does that look 
what does it look like for you? You know, different presentations always depends on what, you know, what audience I'm in front of. I spoke at the FBI convention. I spoke to 2,500 FBI agents. And it's, it's a much different presentation than speaking to a, a middle school and even a high school or, or, or college, you know, um, because adults, like I said earlier, they, many times we become complacent in life. We settle for the status quo. And I really want to inspire them, whether after their, after their careers are done with the FBI, with the FBI what are they going to do after that? Still got a lot of years left, you know? And when people just say, I can't wait to retire, we talked, we touched on this earlier, you know? I gotta tell you something, something about retirement is many people pass on after they retire. Sometimes we don't have something to get up and look forward to. Mm -hmm. I'm just very stale in life. And I, I just encourage people to always have something you wanna do in life, you know? Taking up a hobby, learning something new, trying something new, whether it's starting a business or learning a language or, or, you know, traveling the country, whatever it is, find something to do. Don't sit home and watch Netflix all the time. Okay. It's not good for anybody. No. <laughs> Let's, I want to hear from you. And this is a newer question that I've added into the podcast and every guest has different answers and I, I love it. If I want to follow in your footsteps and not even to say a motivational speaker, because I know there are people listening who have those aspirations, but maybe even just to, to touch people in general, what are the three main characteristics that someone should possess in order to start doing that? Well, first of all, you, you have to have, you know, the, I, the greatest commandments are love God and love people. You know, and, and I'd say something, you have to love what you do. You have to love wanting to help other people. So I love people. I just do. I, I love meeting people. I love, I, I love just sharing. I love hearing stories. I love, um, you know, seeing people change their life. There's no greater joy than that. Um, I, you also have to feel in your, in your heart, this is what you're called to do. You know, we all have a calling in our life. If someone really wants to make this their, their um, the part of their journey, you have to feel like it's a calling, not just something you just, ah, let me just give it a shot. You know, it's got to be something like, man, I feel like I can really make it. I feel like I'm supposed to do this. And then I'd tell you, failure is not an option. It really isn't. <laughs> and if I had to say one more thing, um, don't do it for money, okay? Money follows passion, okay? If you really love something and you're good at it, people are going to pay you, okay? But don't do it because, hey, that you can make $10,000 for doing a presentation or you can get this or that. It's not the right, it's not the right uh, motivation and it's not the right way to go about it because you will be very successful and very financially secure if it's something you are supposed to do at your calling and you have that work ethic to, to just not give up because it's, it's not easy. Getting in front of people is not easy. You get some audiences that I've seen everything. I've seen people pass out. I've, I've been in front of a, a student with Tourette that was swearing at me for half an hour. Um, you know, I have seen everything. I've seen uh, kids throw up. I've seen kids pass out. So I've, I've seen it all. And I can attest to this just personally. When I started my brick and mortar business, I, I did permanent makeup. I had a, a love for it, right? I, I don't even know if I would say love, but I did the opposite of what you just said. I saw the dollar signs, right? And I put in the hard work, I did it, 
it's, it, I don't want to say failed. It was my decision to end it. But I realized within myself that instead of following my passion and what I really enjoyed in life, I followed those dollar signs and it didn't work out. But it taught me that lesson to move forward and figure out what I did love, whether for or for no money, you know, and, and pursue that. And so I, I, I want to like replay that a hundred times when you say that, you know, follow your passion and the money will follow. It's not, it's not vice versa, you know, flip, flip, flop. You're not going to follow the money. And then all of a sudden you'll develop a passion. I mean, I don't know, maybe if you get enough money, <laughs> maybe that ignites passion in some people, but I can personally attest to that. And I know we all can, because there have been times in life where all we saw were the dollar signs and it's backwards. You know, we, we have to get in a mindset of flipping that. Amen, Christy. You know, and I, and I was guilty of it also. There's times in my life when I, um, you know, I mean, professional wrestling was something like, boy, I can make a lot of money doing this, you know. But in my heart, I felt I, I could, I, I, w I really wanted to do it. But then the, it became about the money, you know, like negotiating that big contract. And um, I, I believe I was one of the first wrestlers ever to get a guaranteed contract with WWE because they wanted me from WCW and we negotiated a amazing deal with a big signing bonus and every year it went up so much money and uh you know you become very very focused on the money and not on the craft and uh that's where i i really started um losing my my interest and my focus in the business and i love that the point you brought up earlier your whole goal in life right 10 year old mark was to be a millionaire and when that day came it it was like any other where are we going to dinner you yeah, know just <laughs> so because and I don't want to say the passion wasn't there but it wasn't the passion of what you're doing now no no you know you're, you're being a millionaire speaker it's very rare to become a millionaire being a speaker not to say you can't be a millionaire speaker right. but it, the money like I said the money will follow your passion I mean when we were doing uh, like I said we were averaging 250 events a year one year we did two, almost 300 events it was like I was I was, and I remember leaving wrestling. My last match with WWE was over in England. I remember flying home thinking, and I had three years left on a guaranteed contract and I just didn't want to do it anymore. I remember flying home thinking I never got to travel again. I've already seen the world. I don't want to travel no more, you know? <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm back on the planes. I'm back in the air. And I'm back in cities all over the country, all over the world again. But this time it was something I really, really enjoyed. What they say, never say never, right? <laughs> so someone's listening now and they do want to follow your footsteps. They want to be a motivational speaker. They want to touch others. They truly do have a heart to help. Maybe we can all jump out there and start traveling the world. What's your advice to someone listening? How do they start local? How do they begin where they are? Well, first of all, you know, you have to have a story. You know, you have to have something that's that's impacted your life or something you went through that you feel you can help someone else go through something that you went through. And, you know, first of all, write out your story, write out, write it out, write it out and reread it over and over again and make the changes you need and then start practicing, you know, and then, you know, offer it at uh, whether it's a, a local church or local um, AA meeting, um, um, you know, Mothers Against Drunk Driving or something, different organizations that you could, you could just look for online and say, I'd love to speak at your meeting, whether it's uh, the uh, Lions Club or Kiwanis or something like that, that you, you can inspire people. And, uh, you know, youth groups, 
uh, so many youth groups are always looking for speakers, but you know, and you do it, you do it for free. You just, you just first get, get your name out there. And then all of a sudden when you start inspiring people, they will, then you give, you know, you have testimonies and they say, hey, give, give this place a call and they'll tell you about me. And all of a sudden they'll call another place and said, this person was amazing. He really touched our kids or whatever. And then it starts growing, you know, and my, my first one that I did was, um, I was called to do, and I, I never even, this was not something I was planned. Um, I was called by Melbourne High School. They just wanted me to come and speak to the football players, 60 of them, you know. And uh, I went to the school. I spoke to them. And, and I remember being, man, I, I tell you, I wrestled in front of 80,000 people at the Alamo Dome. I was more nervous walking out from the stage. <laughs> <laughs> you know? The pressure's on. Yes. And, but the, the, the amazing thing that happened was those kids started emailing me after. They go, man, I really enjoyed your presentation. You really touched my heart. Or, you know, you really made me think about life. And and then that school, the, that, that coach of the team called another school and said, man, you, can, you should have to speak to your whole school. Next thing I know, I'm doing big auditorium, big gymnasiums, and it just snowballed from there. And, one, you know, and, and, and there's been highs and lows, but it just got to the point where once I got really comfortable in my own, in my own speaking, that I just felt, um, I, just, I just loved it. I just, I just really enjoyed it. And I, got, and I guess you improve at it, just like anything. When you do it enough times, you get better and better at it. And uh, now it's at a point where I, I just share from my heart, share my story, and, um, and hopefully uh, change some lives. Well, I know you're changing lives. Absolutely. Because uh, I've heard your story, and it, it made me cry too. So my husband's not the only one. <laughs> I can't believe we got him to admit that he cried. So that's, I mean, there you go. <laughs> but my final question that I love to ask, when we talked about your whole story, back from 10-year-old you to 30-year-old you saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to be a wrestler. And you did. And then from now, speaking to children and changing lives that way. If you had a chance to go back and maybe rewrite it a little bit or do anything differently, would you? No. I got to tell you why, and that's a great question, is because all the paths I took in my life, whether they were good or bad, you know, I'm sure there's things I wish didn't happen, but all those different paths, they led me to right where I am right now. And this is a place in life that I guess as a 10-year-old boy, I've always dreamed of. I dreamed of just finding something in life I absolutely adore, I love. I, I just want to say this, that anyone that's listening, and maybe you're going through a hard time, or maybe you're on the fence about what you want to do in life or maybe you're going through man, a separation, a divorce or, or whatever it is, you have to believe this. The best chapters of your life are about to be written, but you are the author and every day you can write a new page and those new pages, they become your new chapters. <laughs> and just because some of you guys have had some bad chapters, just like me, it doesn't mean it's the end of the story the best ones are about to be written and the titles are something like overcoming adversity, never giving up, I believe my dream came true. Don't ever, ever give up. I don't even want to follow that. How do I follow that? Like, I'm just here. Here's my headphones and my mic. I'm just going to, Mark, I told you, you didn't have inspiring me. Like, I want to go out and speak to my cats now. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. Where can everybody find you? Because I know you have touched people from my little audience. I know your audience is broader, but if someone wants to, to get more information or even connect with you, where can they find you? Um, you know, go to our website, which is thinkpause, pause is P-O-Z as in zebra, thinkpause.org, O-R-G. 
And of course, if you just type my name, Mark is with a C, M-A-R-C-M-E-R-O on the internet, you'll find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So I hope to connect with someone that heard this message. And um, Chrissy, thank you so much. You do a great job. Thank you. Thank you. I know you're, you're busy. Like you said, you've got all these things going on. You're moving. So I appreciate you just taking the time out to do this. And I know our listeners will too. So a thousand times, thank you so much, Mark. And we're going to put all of your information in the description too, so people can find you that way as well. But thank you. Thank you and God bless. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening once again. And until next time, I'll see you then. Bye.